and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We're so glad that you are here with us. Um, if you're joining us live, that is awesome. If you're joining us recorded, we love that. And um, we, we just want to thank all of our subscribers to our podcast and to our channels on YouTube and Facebook. We know that you guys keep coming back. We see the views and we are excited to be able to share with you each week some encouraging words for your homeschool. And this um, broadcast is sponsored by SPED Homeschool. And um, you can check us out um, at spedhomeschool.com. But this month, the month of May, we've been focusing on outdoor learning because we're all going to be getting outside if we aren't already um, with our kids. And we just want to encourage you to make that enriching experiences. And so tonight, my, um, my guest is Michael Brooks. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you here tonight as we wrap up this month on outdoor learning. And just um, so Michael sent me two and a half pages of content. <laughs> and um, so he's got a lot to share. And so I'm really excited about that. But we um, we would love to incorporate just questions or comments you have. I know we've been talking about this topic over the month and maybe it's brought up some things. Well, how do I get around this obstacle or what do I do when you know, my child has this challenge or we, we want to build in this type of learning, but I'm not exactly sure how to do that. Well, um, we would love to be able to help you kind of think through that too. And um, so, so anyways, I just want to encourage you to, um, to join in on the conversation and put in the feed um, where you're from and, um, and just, um, yeah, we would, we would love to, um, to, to know who you are and a little bit about you as well. So, um, so on that note, Michael, we would like to know a little bit about you and um, you and your family and your business and just um, outdoor learning and um, what what has um, what has outdoor learning been to you um, personally. So, I'll I'll just kind of leave you with all of that. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Peggy, uh, for the opportunity. This is a new experience for me, so I appreciate uh, just the opportunity. Uh, my name is Michael Brooks. Uh, I am um, the title something like Director of Operations uh, for Winter Promise. And what uh, that means is I get to uh, really oversee uh, the day-to-day -day operations um, work inside the curriculum quite a bit. Mm. Uh, I, have, I grew up, uh, my parents started Winter Promise back in the early 2000s, uh, and uh, it's been going on now for about 20 years, and that's been very exciting. So I grew up in the homeschool world. I mm -hmm. was homeschooled all but like two grades, uh, and then really started getting involved in, I mean, I was even shipping out boxes in middle school. <laughs> so I was involved at the ground level uh, and really appreciated my homeschool experience, the uniqueness mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And I really hated all of the labels that get attached to homeschooling uh, because it just wasn't yeah. true. Right. So anyways, uh, I, um, after graduating high school, I uh, pursued, uh, went to college in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't finish my degree there. I was pursuing a Bible degree, actually, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, wanted to serve in the local church. And then um, I uh, lived in Michigan. Uh, my family moved around a whole bunch. So anyways, we ended up back in Michigan. That's where my, like, my grandparents are. So it feels like home. Ah. Uh, so I ended up getting married and we have three kids now and um, five, three and six months. So things are, Funny. So yes. things are busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very busy. So um, yeah, so that, but in that time, um, my family reached back out to me seeing I was kind of between um, where it felt like the Lord was going to take me and where I was at mm -hmm. the time and said, Hey, we'd love to bring you in for, we want to grow social media and mm -hmm. marketing and we need yeah. customer service and dedicated employee. And I was like, well, sure. You know, and then mm -hmm. it's grown into this role that I love and um, I love education. Um, I love serving kids and education is so much more about like, just getting knowledge in a child's head. Yes. Uh, it's really about, um, discipling the person, being another mm -hmm. piece in their discipleship story, hopefully that the mm -hmm. Lord does mm -hmm. in their life. And so education can be such a freeing experience. It's not the answer to everything, but it is such a key tool for a child. And so I love mm -hmm. all things education. And what's really cool, Peggy, I'm really excited to share kind of this 
two worlds coming together. So um, I've been in the homeschool world, love homeschooling, value it, love homeschoolers. Mm -hmm. uh, but we actually launched uh, a private school on our campus where, where we're at to serve the second poorest county in the state. Uh, it's called mm. Northern Discovery Academy. And what we did is we took everything we love about homeschooling and said, well, let's keep the school small and do that for families that can't homeschool. That was one of the inspirations. Oh, that's um, and so I get yeah. to see not only the, not only do I know, well, how's an individual family handle this, but we get to mm -hmm. see the benefits to even groups of six and eight and 10 and 12 students and outdoor experiences. I mean, when you told me this, we yeah. let our campus is on a 10 acre campus. So we have a wooded, wood, we're right on the edge of a national forest, the Manistee National mm -hmm. Forest here in Michigan. We are, this is what Michiganders do. Um, we're like right here. Okay. So, yep. um, <laughs> uh, so we we get to take it, we take advantage of every single day, uh, mm. the outdoor experiences. And so, plus um, just in writing in our curriculum for the last 20 years, outdoors a big, big part mm. of what we do. So. We love what God's made and, and getting kids out there. Well, that's exciting. Yes. And, and homeschooling isn't the perfect choice for everybody. And so I'm glad that you, you pointed that out. And especially for low-income families that, um, that just have to have both parents working and some of those solutions. And so, um, so that's awesome. Ten acres. You can do a lot on ten acres. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of space. We love it. That's so cool. So, um, so this month we have been focusing on outdoor learning, and I know we we've talked a lot about the benefits. But even if some of my previous guests have covered some of the things that that you have to share, or um, they there's I'm sure you have new things too. But it's just good for us to hear this over and over again because I think I, you know, I find myself just stuck inside and going. I need some motivation to get me out there. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes kids are motivation enough to get us out the door because we're like, you're driving me crazy in here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think one of my guests said, well, just kick them out the door and lock it. <laughs> so, um, but, but what, um, you know, from, from just what you've seen and experienced, what, what are some real benefits that we as parents can can have within us just to, to motivate us to get to get more outdoor learning experiences incorporated into our days and into our schooling experiences. Yeah, great question. Um, when you had Peggy reached out to me, I was thinking this is a great topic, but I wonder how many of us just assume the benefits without really thinking mm. through them. Mm -hmm. Something um, people quite often in life, and I found this about myself. Uh, what you know, you don't realize you could know a lot better. There's reasons why you think things. And actually the reasons behind your thinking, if we can clarify mm -hmm. them, actually make why you think something even more um, powerfully believed and known. And so I was just thinking, well, what are the assumptions behind, but also mm -hmm. empirical research. And so there was just, I threw out a list. And um, of course, if um, anyone of your viewers would like access to what I'm in a written form, I can... Mm -hmm. Edit. It needs some editing. I said to you to give me a heads up. It needs some editing, but I can, I can, we can make sure we make this available. But yeah. uh, really, one of the big things that I think is assumed, and maybe it's like, well, we kind of know this, but mm -hmm. is a different context helps a lot. So mm. if you're ever looking for, you're doing your language arts, you're doing your spelling, you're doing your math, you're doing your science. You know, you, you're doing something that's normally done indoors. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, even just writing. A different context alone, it's been shown and proven to bring creative benefits. So quite often in workspaces, if you, we've all been working at home, unfortunately, many of us, not all, right. many, uh -huh. feel like we've been working at home way more than we should or want to. Mm -hmm. They've shown that, well, if you stay in one place and you aren't changing locations, your creativity is actually um affected by that. Uh -huh. So yeah. just simply the different context. If we think about, well, an adult is trained to focus more just through like mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. A child doesn't have that training, especially the younger and younger you get. That's part of education and parenting and discipleship. We're helping right. them. A different context can be just freeing for a child. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to touch more on this. Uh, the outdoors, God's made us by and large, there are, of course, exceptions, but almost every child just loves being outside more than inside. 
Um, yeah. The great exception is maybe a screen, but if we can break that connection with the screen, what we find mm -hmm. is most kids love being outside. Um, mm -hmm. So just simply different contexts. And I think that's kind of the most simple reason, but mm -hmm. that alone, and I'm gonna talk about it later, it's sometimes just as simple as doing what you normally do, but outside. And that huh. suddenly yeah. changes everything. Um, another benefit is that being outside is more active by nature. Mm -hmm. You aren't just able to do this, you know, as you read. <laughs> you have to you have to sit carefully, you know, kids, even mm -hmm. kids, especially mm -hmm. girls, but um, sit more carefully so they're more actively engaged. They, they have more space to roam, so they're going to be able to just move around more. Okay, so yeah. more activity plus more of the senses are engaged. I feel mm. stuff on my legs. I feel now some students may be bothered by that. So you have to work right. with that. Yeah. Some, yeah. Students, some children <laughs> exactly. be like that sensory contact you have to work with. But even just the mm -hmm. sunlight, the air, the breeze, the sounds, that all creates to a more engaged student. When mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. clear research shows that if you engage more senses in the learning process, the learning process becomes more of a memory. And this is what's important in learning and in education is that you actually want to make memories because what you remember best is what you attach a memory to. Yes. And outdoor experiences, okay. uh -huh. outdoor experiences become, are much more naturally turned into a memory. Oh, mm -hmm. I tripped and fell and I fell in this mud. Oh, we all laughed about it. That creates a memory and certain things stick. Okay, that's mm -hmm. more of a light mm -hmm. example. But, so that's a reason. Um, there's research that they called it nimble thinking. I thought this is an interesting use of the word. Nimble thinking is promoted. So problem solving, dealing with a different environment while you're learning. You have more, your brain has to do more than I'm sitting at a desk and I'm writing or I'm sitting at a desk and talking. It's a controlled environment. I don't have to engage. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we sleep in our bed. It's our most relaxed place because we're used to the environment. Well, you get students into an environment that's different, not stressful, but different. Mm -hmm. You get them thinking, even though they don't know it, their brain is engaged and it promotes nimble thinking. Um, there's obviously physical health benefits, uh, but this is something that is close to my heart. Um, and viewers may have a different opinion on things of who's created the world, if there's a God and whatnot. But I believe that God's created all of us. And we all, the, the reason we love nature is because God's made a world for us to love. And there's mm -hmm. empirical research that also shows that simply being outside is beneficial to the person, I would say to their soul, mm -hmm. the holistic benefits of being outside. And if you can use education to bring those holistic benefits, right. that's going to benefit education, but also the child. And the child is what matters, not just education like it's a project. Mm -hmm. um, the last couple that I would mention uh, is that there's outdoors are the foundation of the sciences. Uh, if mm -hmm. you aren't yes. promoting, I mean, people, our society talks about STEM everything, STEM this, STEM that, STEM this, mm -hmm. STEM that. But we're all stuck inside because we all want to be programmers, supposedly. Right. Actually, to get kids STEM oriented, get them outside in the dirt, get them outside with the bugs, get them outside in the trees, get them tromping oh. around the snow. Um, and then we love Charlotte Mason at Winter Promise. We are inspired. Everything we do is inspired by Charlotte Mason. And she was a big proponent. Mm, yes. Their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Lifelong learners are curious people. Students are naturally curious. And at some point, that changes. Well, the goal of a good education is that we don't let that change. We let that mm. increase. Mm -hmm. um, and being outdoors in, invites investigation by curiosity. So that was just a list of things that I thought behind the assumption of why it's good to be outdoors. Those are just reasons. Right. Yeah. 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 I never thought about, you know, we, we had a whole broadcast on creating a sensory diet for your child and just how being outside activates so much sensory things that you don't even have to plan it. And I think some parents get like so overwhelmed with, you know, I've got to create these sensory experiences for my child. And when you brought that up, I thought, well, Okay, we just put them outside. <laughs> I think we've got the sensory yeah. diet covered quite a bit, and the most natural sensory diet. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, you know, and you brought up bringing, you know, putting kids in the dirt. I remember just taking my kids camping and just allowing them to get as dirty as they wanted to every day because I knew they'd take a bath 
at the end of the day, when they got into bed, they'd be clean, but you know, they're washable. <laughs> Why not take advantage of that? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. uh, definitely. And then connecting with stories, you know, just, we are a story society and marketers talk about that all the time, but yeah. just that connection you talked about with, with having different scenarios and experiences, we, we come back those things that really trigger things in our brain are those stories, those experiences that we have and, and what better place being outside. You create a lot of <laughs> very yes. funny and memorable things <laughs> while you're outside. <laughs> so exactly. That's awesome. So, you know, what about learning experiences themselves? Um, how do they serve a wide variety of learning needs um, within just like, general outdoor experiences or more particular outdoor experiences, but just, you know, in general, what, um, what can we as parents be know that um, these learning experiences are bringing, I guess I'm talking too much. I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're asking. Um, I, yeah. So I think, and I'm going to, I, I want to come back to this. This is something that we believe strongly at Winter Promise is that, Parents have so much going on. I think parents bring the idea that we have to structure everything and plan everything mm -hmm. and make it fit this perfect little, you know, path to victory for us, whatever that goal is. Fit on that lesson plan and yes, yeah. and you meet that goal. <laughs> exactly. It's got to go, you know, it's either linear or some crazy graph or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's got to fit. Um, and what, what actually I want parents to get out of this, the one thing I would want is that I want you to strategize, mm. not feel like you have to plan templates and things and whatever. I want you to strategize. Um, what I would say is that there's been a lot of research in the last 30 or 40 years, but really it's, it's really growing. The idea of multiple intelligences is important yes. in education. Mm -hmm. Um, Finally, as a society, even though we're not learning then how that changes our education, usually in mm -hmm. these bigger institutions, we are understanding that a simple IQ test does not measure mm -hmm. uh, every student accurately, that intelligence can be measured in different ways, mm -hmm. in a whole host of different ways intelligence can. So based on that science and research, I think the outdoors Instead of thinking, well, I need to create an experience for this kind of learner and then an experience mm -hmm. for this kind of intelligence mm -hmm. and experience for this kind of intelligence, actually what you need is what happens is, is that, Peggy, uh, I, in talking to you before the broadcast, you're clearly a very intelligent person. Uh, but very likely, your intelligence, you have about two or three major ways that when you are involved in a learning experience, you're going to remember different things to different degrees and other things are just going to drop away, but two to three ways are going to rise to the top. Um, usually what, what you want to do is not aim for, Hey, I need, I have a hands-on learner. So the only way this student can learn is I need a hands-on experience. Actually you have hands-on learner, mm -hmm. but you have other intelligences going on within that. And what you need to provide for your student are as many different kinds of learning experiences as possible. Mm. When you're in a room, it's the same goal, except you're more limited, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> outside, you can actually create tons of learning experiences that are different and easy for you to do. They're not, you know, planned for an hour and a half for 20 minutes of learning experience. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do, and I'll give some examples, but yeah. what it does is it empowers you to create a whole bunch of learning experiences in the freedom of the outdoors already for your um your learner how whatever kinds of intelligences they possess uniquely you can provide a variety of experiences that tap into those two or three primary dominant areas mm -hmm. um and maybe one teaches something a little bit better than another but because you're bringing mm -hmm. them together you're you're covering your bases in a really enriching yes. way so yeah. i would say that That's getting your kids out, outside is going to create an easy way to do this. I'll just give some examples. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let's, we, we all have independent learners. We call them these independent, just there. My daughter's three and mm -hmm. she is one of the most independent, stubborn, 
I need my <laughs> my place and uh-huh. my home. She's one of those people. We all know many of us have children that at least have some component of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times birth orders, funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but think about if you're outside, your student, your child has more space, mm-hmm. more opportunity to explore and investigate in a very independent way. So the student that needs their own control, their own thoughts, their own time, their own way. A lot of times it's all about just doing it their way versus another Mm -hmm. person's way. They can do that and you have the space to allow them to do their thing, usually Mm -hmm. safely, at a distance, feeling like they have their sovereign territory. They've got some Mm -hmm. control over something and they can experience and excel and enjoy that freedom. And then you can Mm -hmm. rein them back in. And because they have an outlet for that independence, they actually value that experience more, which means they tune into what you're trying to get across. As an example, uh, one mm-hmm. of the great ways, simple things is you can study trees all day long very easily. Um, and you can actually measure, like you can think, well, how old is a tree by figuring out what kind of tree it is. And mm-hmm. then two, by like, just simply measuring the tree. Um, and, and so when you do that, you can give a child, I mean, almost any age, either help them they get the space to say, I can go to this space, look at the tree, we can measure around it, measure mm-hmm. how tall it is, we know what kind of tree it is because we did the little tree finder book, mm-hmm. and they have their space to do that. Um, the opposite, let's say a person that learns through conversation, not mm-hmm. hearing the lecture, but through conversation. Yeah. That's me, uh-huh. actually. I mm-hmm. learn best. When I read a book, I need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about it so you can yeah. exchange back and forth. Um, the, the community learners they can be given a team to work with, whether they're a leadership personality or not, they can work with a team. And if this parent just steps away, and Charlotte Mason says this a lot, teachers love to naturally encroach and direct yes. um, versus we should let the students kind of trial and error figure out. And eventually it's going to get to where we want them or they're going to learn something better that we didn't have in mind. So if you step yeah. away, uh-huh. step away, as a teacher, teachers love to talk. That's why teachers get into it. That's why I'm a talker. I'm filling up like all the time at this point. Um, we want to talk and control and push. And parents have such a passion to care for their kids. We love our kids mm-hmm. more than anything. We need to step back. And the outdoors allow a community experience where we can step away and give them freedom. Whereas in a room, the kid kind of knows you're always listening. Yeah. And that's not quite mm-hmm. just us talking. You can give them that community experience. And that's a very general way. You don't have to come up with a genius idea. You just go mm-hmm. and do it. And yet there's still all that benefit happening. Um, mm-hmm. A few others, fidgeters. I call them fidgeters. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are going to say ADHD or um, one extreme is everything's ADHD. Another extreme is they're just boys or they're just kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case may be, I call them fidgeters busy children that need lots of engagement, lots of stimulation. And actually ADHD mm-hmm. kind of has two expressions. It's interesting. Some kids are overstimulated and need calm. Other kids need stimulation right. to stay focused. And that interesting, mm-hmm. but fidgeters busy needing the stimulation that harkens back to what I was saying earlier, being outside engages everything, even them just sitting, mm-hmm. they're engaged. They can fiddle. They can, I don't know how many times we've taken kids out and read in a circle and in, in our, on our property. And 70% of the kids are, if you ask them, Hey, what did we just read about? Even though they never looked up, they would know it because why they could dig around with a stick, you know, and mm-hmm. pull up this piece of grass. Kids are always doing this with the grass, you know, and oh, yeah. <laughs> they're busy and because they can do it in a way. It's like, you're not coloring on my wall. You're not destroying mm-hmm. my furniture. They can do it. <laughs> You know, exactly. It, yeah. it turns out to be a great experience, and fidgeters then can be told to do something that's constructive, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, go find this," and they can go explore and dig, and and they find what they're looking for. They remember it because they had to go f- explore this, and they had to dig under this thing and pull it out, and oh, I had to find this kind of um, this kind of insect, or I had to find this kind of plant. Or, you know, whatever it is, or, hey, I found this. Is this right. comparable to what we're talking about? They mm-hmm. form the experience mm-hmm. and they have the freedom and the ability to be fidgeters. Fidgeters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to speak to calm learners. This is, uh, as I've gotten older, I appreciate more calm in my life. Uh, <laughs> lots, my son, 
uh, is very much a learn a person that needs calm at certain mm -hmm. points. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it's always in learning. He's very focused when he's learning, but I know this is a person. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you have a student that just needs calm and needs peace and needs needs an environment that isn't overstimulated, traditional classrooms are very busy. Yeah. Some students need a lot of stimulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many colors. It's just like, ah, right. you mm -hmm. know, I mean, epilepsy warning should be on the wall. It's, it feels that <laughs> way sometimes. Uh -huh. um, no knock to people that love that. If your homeschool room is like that, that's great. Kids, there are a lot of kids that love that. But there are students that are like, I need calm. I need mm -hmm. soft-spoken voice. I need a space to do that. And we have to teach them to be resilient and that mm -hmm. it's not always going to be that way. But we can also provide at a context where it's funny, even though there's all that sensory going on. Yeah. We, how many adults are told to go take a walk in nature just to calm right. down? Right. Uh -huh. How much more does then a kid need it who can't handle all their emotions? Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, calm learners benefit. Get them yes. away from maybe some other kids. Give them a chance to sit down. Maybe they're having trouble with a spelling word. Maybe they're mm -hmm. having trouble with a writing assignment. Give them their notebook. Let them sit down outside. And sometimes magic happens. Uh, and that, well, there's so, something about the, the natural sounds that mm -hmm. that don't trigger that same anxiety or you know that that same mm -hmm. sensory experiences when you hear sounds that are much more human induced so like chirping of birds the the wind through the grass all of that is in water going on a brook you know those are the types of things you know they make apps for that <laughs> so so that we can listen right. to them to calm down and um, yeah. so there you have those naturally and, and so that makes a lot of sense that 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 would be beneficial to those those kids that are needing that as well and it just yeah. naturally provides that for them yeah. yeah absolutely it's i mean god made the original call map and it was the world so um <laughs> you know i it's it, i think it's important i think it's surprising i think when i think outdoors i think adventure i think excitement <laughs> but actually there's a lot of calm there and the last thing i wanted to mention uh there's a lot of, I would call them traditional learners, um, language learners. So they hear mm -hmm. and they can just regurgitate because they just hear it. They understand it. They can then write it down. They love words, they love hearing uh, spoken, very traditional. They'd be very successful in a lot of learning experiences. Mm. Language learners still, though, need all of their other senses engaged mm. to get the most out of an experience. Um, sometimes I think traditional learners are underserved uh, mm. because we assume, hey, you're just you're doing great in your room oh, alone. Yeah. In your room alone, mm -hmm. you're doing great. We don't need to worry about you. I got to worry about the other kids. Which, no, of course, we have we have low maintenance kids, and God gives us those kids for a reason. Um, <laughs> we need the extra time. But don't sleep on the traditional learner either. Um, Very good point. Let, yes. let them go outside and do their traditional thing outside mm -hmm. um, yeah. or maybe stretch them so that they realize, wait, actually, I do like the idea of getting in the dirt a little bit more mm -hmm. um, instead of just hearing about it, you know? Um, right. So that, that's something I wanted to mention. I think traditional learners, because they're so naturally successful in our um, American idea of education, which mm -hmm. does serve, we could, that's why we call them traditional, serves those kinds of learners. There's still a great opportunity for them as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, it stretches them too, to, um, yeah. to try some different modes of learning that they may find a lot of joy in. So, um, so yeah, absolutely give them that ability. So we have a question from a viewer and I, I'm not sure the if we've got the whole question. So I'm, okay. I'm going to bring it up and ask it. Um, Miranda asks, um, how about with a special needs child? So um, that's a pretty broad question um, about, you know, working with a special needs child. Um, you know, we could talk about wheelchairs out outside, you know, making spaces accessible. I know that's an issue with some of my siblings and we have even gone camping. My parents have made that possible. Um, but it just takes sometimes a little extra planning um, to get kids outside that have mobility issues. But I, I think you covered a lot of things, Michael, um, you know, just with ADHD and kids on the autism spectrum, too, have a lot of sensory issues. And so um, so it, did anything else come to mind? Oh, that yeah, 
Um, I we're at um, just recently popped in my head, and again, uh, Rhonda, I don't know the special needs. You could be speaking physically, could be a mental, could be a di- you know a diagnosis uh, that's maybe not you know that just puts them in a certain specific category. Um, but it just remind me of a story. Uh, I was at a uh, I was at the playground with some students. Uh, some kids and uh, another class actually came because we, we were in a uh, out a public playground and mm-hmm. uh, park and uh, all the students went to play and uh, this kid was in a in a wheelchair and there was a teacher must be a teacher aide assigned to him mm-hmm. um, and she she asked him what he wanted to do and uh, they were talking and it looked like they had a great relationship which I thought was awesome to see mm-hmm. uh, and what there was a track around the park and he wanted to be pushed around the park. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and he told her to run. And I was like, well, there's <laughs> the day. Um, and uh, I don't know what the specific need is, but I do know Peggy's absolutely right. More planning is involved. What are your, what's going to stress your student out to the point that you can't actually achieve what you're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I think all those things I mentioned actually speak to children if you can just plan for just a few minutes, well, what are the things in, and again, it's not about one specific things. It, it, it's really about knowing your child, which you know mm-hmm. better than anybody. Right. Strategize. Okay. Don't say what's the one thing. Say, Hey, my kid wants to be a NASCAR driver. So mm-hmm. I bet if we flew down a trail safely or around a park, <laughs> that would just engage. And then had a conversation right. after Hey, what did you notice? Mm-hmm. What are things you saw? What did you see? You know, and then they're, you're going to laugh and have a conversation, create that memory. And right. then if you tie it into something you're learning, um, mm-hmm. let's say you're studying weather or um, some of some uh, biology. And you can talk about the plant life. And the all those things come into play. You can talk about the bugs mm-hmm. that you encounter hitting your face. And <laughs> those are all things that how is my child going to enjoy the outdoors? That's the first thing. How is my child going to enjoy the outdoors? Mm. Then the learning happens. It's not learning and then enjoyment. It's enjoyment and then learning happens. That's the best I can enjoy. Oh, yeah. That's a very good point. When we find ourselves in a place of joy, it's like our guard goes down. And our kids are the same way that they can just, like, be in the experience instead of just, this is, you know, and especially for our struggling learners, there's so mm. much stress and so much, yeah. you know, requirements that they feel like are being heaped upon them. I've got to do good. I've got to learn this. I'm, I'm not, you know, they, they know I struggle with this or, you know, this is um, something I've got to get better at. And um, yeah. no matter how hard we try as parents not to make that feeling happen, they, they just, they yeah. know that they struggle. And, and so to, to get them in a place of enjoyment, um, that that is truly a place to start fresh and and to get them in a whole new place to to start learning happening. And I think we talk talk a lot about that when we talk about de-schooling too, is just to to take the traditional environment out and realize that learning isn't a classroom. It isn't yeah. um, a, a, it isn't always out of a book. It's um, experiences like you've been talking about and and going back to how do we naturally learn? So, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, so, um, so you talked a little bit about strategies and um, what, what do you, what are some strategies that you have for parents or what would you suggest for um, just getting outside more and enjoying those, those learning experiences? Yeah. Yeah. I would, this is, um, this is always a big question. So, um, nature learning, I think every grade, every subject, every, uh, everything that you do, I think nature learning should be sought to be included in as part of that. Now, obviously mm-hmm. weather plays a part, where yeah. you're from, region, mm-hmm. time, all that space. But I do think it's so important because of all the things that we've talked about that it, I think it should be thought to be a part of it. Now that can be overwhelming. I think most parents would go, what? I can just getting them outside once is stressful enough. Um, and I get that. So I want to speak to a few different parents. When I think of this, I want to think yeah, of parents in great. my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to speak to that. And then we can talk, so we can talk more big picture and then maybe okay. some specific yeah. ideas 
Um, but great. again, there are tons mm -hmm. of resources on specific ideas. So that's why I wanted to say more about, well, how do we as people, as educators, as parents, think mm -hmm. about it? And yeah. less on specifics, because there's tons of resources, but then I'll talk about things that I think are, are easy to do. So yeah. um, to the parent that's overwhelmed by my suggestion that nature, natural learning, nature learning, nature experience should be sought to be a part of every subject, mm -hmm. uh, I want to say, you don't have to do it. That doesn't mean every hour, every day. It really is. <laughs> That's a very good point. Thank you. <laughs> it's not like, okay, next time, now back outside. Next next time. Outside, you know, and then all everyone's like, okay, you know. Uh, That's not what I mean. Getting uh, stroke. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to make it stale. You don't want it just mm -hmm. to be like, oh, well, that's what we're doing. So that's why we strategize. But it's really an attitude. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. If you truly value getting your kids outside, my wife and I talked mm -hmm. about this this year, um, just as parents, we want, whenever it warms up, we always talk, well, well I, we want to be outside more. Um, mm -hmm. Quite often what happens, just like New Year resolutions, it's like, oh, and then it uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it's really about developing an attitude. Um, mm -hmm. And so the first thing I'd say is start simple, and strategize about what is the best time of day, what works for us, your unique family with unique yeah. needs, unique schedule. Mm -hmm. so just start, what works for you? It's not about well, what works for Michael, some guy I saw on a, you know, on a broad, really cool broadcast, but what works for us in our real situation? And so if yeah. you really value it, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is start small so that you value mm -hmm. it more and more. You value it not just oh, up here, but you value it in here. Right. So if you start small, you can achieve it. Uh, mm. So I'd strategize. Don't restrict. Don't say, well, it has to look like this. It has yeah. to look like what your family needs it to. Mm. Um, so that's what I would say my first advice to the overwhelmed parents, like, oh, my goodness. Um, mm -hmm. So if you are new to this or it's a new new part of what you want to do, just start small. Ask your kid what they love to do outside. More than likely, oh, you can idea. marry up mm -hmm. what you're trying to teach with what they mm -hmm. love. Again, we assume and think a lot of times versus asking. I do that a lot with my kids where I should just be asking yeah. them what they think. Mm -hmm. So try to marry those things up. If a kid doesn't isn't excited, chances mm -hmm. are they're not going to be really engaged no matter what it is, whether it's outside or not. So yeah, that was my first. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Peggy, I, you're in Texas, right? Are you yes, in Texas? Houston. You live in mm -hmm. Texas? Okay. Yes. So Texas is warm. I'm in Michigan. We're in Michigan. <laughs> yes. We get all four seasons fiercely. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. So um, sometimes it's like ugh, going outside is the worst. Like I remember mm -hmm. the great memories of sledding and all this stuff outside when I was a kid. I think it was a parent. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's exhausting. It takes me 30 minutes to get them in the snow, snow gear. Right. Then, then they can't move. Outside for 20 <laughs> minutes when you're coming back in. Yeah. Right. Like, you can't even get outside. So um, what enjoy warm weather. That's my first, everyone loves, it's most people enjoy the sun. Even, even if they don't, don't love it as much as others, they can learn to love mm -hmm. it. Get outside, enjoying the warm weather. And if you can't get outside, okay. Don't guilt mm -hmm. yourself. Parents have enough guilt. Children deal with enough guilt. Don't guilt yourself. Start with warm weather. So, mm -hmm. so to the parent who's an overachiever, says I've done, I've done it, I've done everything, and I feel like it's getting old, and I feel like it's, you know, uh -huh. we've done it before, yeah. we've done this. Which maybe there's not too many of them. Maybe they're the <laughs> champions. We all hope that we would be someday. Exactly. My <laughs> challenge to them would be maybe you need to think about just changing what you normally do in a different place or a different time um, or take your traditional subjects and do them outside. Okay. If you love being outside so much that you're like the champion overachiever that we all wish we were. Right. Do your writing assignment outside. Have them sit on a stump, have them sit in the grass and write. Um, uh, you know, if you're so good at math, I'm doing math outside. Practice math facts if you're younger. Mm. Maybe, you know, mm -hmm. you've got high school students who's doing geometry and you have all those theorems that they've got to memorize, you know. Maybe maybe have them do it while you're walking around outside. That's another simple mm. way that we think, oh, well, you're just kind of doing the same thing. 
But then all those other benefits, all the other senses, the nimble thinking, the engagement of the whole person, the physical activity, all come to come into the learning, learning experience. Plus, bonus, when you're on a walk, conversations happen very naturally. So you might actually find yes. that, yeah, we didn't cover theorems, but I had a great memory with my child that really reinforces mm-hmm. to them the value of fill in the blank. So uh, Mm -hmm. even if you're an overachiever, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's slow down and just be like, okay, we're, I'm a naturally amazing person at overachieving. Maybe we just need to slow down and build, use that leverage, that ability Mm -hmm. to maybe just having more conversations with your kid and getting them into a relaxed environment outside. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I would start. And then I would think of like, what are some specific examples that are easy to roll out? Um, Because I think most of us are like, oh, I'm just not sure. Uh, I just wanted to um, throw those out there uh, as we get closer to the hour. Um, Peggy, I was thinking, this is kind of, I've mentioned, I really think it's amazing. We send our kids out, um, and I did this when I was homeschooling, just be able to do things outside. Um, Mm. Bring out your, 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 your textbook. Hopefully you don't have a textbook, but whatever book you're learning from or whatever experience you're having, just take it outside, doing science outside. We actually had a tick explosion in Michigan this spring with all Mm. telling. So every time our kids go outside, we've got to like brush them down and check them out. Um, But it was kind of cool. I sent that article to one of our teachers and they said, Hey, we actually read this for science and they were outside doing it. And so they could all then connect. Hey, this is something happening in real life in my life right now in my state. Right. Do it outside and look around, see if we see any, and we can practice what it looks like to be responsible. So it's just really simple. You just read an article about tick explosion and it leads to a foundational scientific curiosity and it happened outdoors. Really simple. So Hmm. if you do it inside, I challenge you, you can do it outside. Um, Yes. (laughs) And so find a way to do that. Yeah, well, thank you for covering the spectrum of parents, because um, I I think, you know, we fall into either that I'm not an outdoorsy person, um, I don't even know how to get my kids outside, and I'm feeling guilty now because we've been talking about this for a month, (laughs) and, um, you know, just starting with those small things like you were talking about, and and just doing what you can, and and yeah, changing up the environment by going outside. Even if you don't have a whole lot of spaces, you, you can sit on a, a a blanket in your front yard or or go to a park if you don't have a yard, if you live in an apartment. Yeah. There's um, just pack up the, yeah. the car and, and do that. But then there are those of us that are overly extreme in everything we do. Um, and I include myself in that category. <laughs> and to the point where I think I drove my kids crazy of being outside and doing things. But um, it's funny that you brought up the conversation thing because we hike, we hike a lot and we hike long and our kids hate it. <laughs> and so, but one thing we found that kept, kept the, the hiking going is we started having them tell stories. And so we had different family members could pick one thing. So there was three things total. And then one of the family members had to tell a story, including those three items while we were hiking. And the time went That's by, insane. everybody laughed and, you know, they were writing. That's awesome. Um, and, and we were able to get yep. on those five mile hikes without uh, as much complaining. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea right there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. We had to be creative. Well, <laughs> well and yeah, it, it, creativity, see, problem solving, saying, what do my kids love? Um, I think that's awesome. I think nature journaling, uh, whether you're an artist or not, is a big, big thing uh, that is helpful. And it's not about being a great artist, though artistic kids love it. It's really yeah. about the skill of observation and the skill of saying, I'm going to learn about something through watching. The most basic science that was done mm-hmm. for up until the scientific method that was a little bit more involved because of technology took off in the 1800s. The most basic mm-hmm. method of science was let's go somewhere, let's do something, and let's see what happens. Okay? So uh, even nature mm-hmm. journaling, which or nature drawing, a journal, write what I see, or talk about what I see verbally mm-hmm. or writing it down, or 
nature drawing in terms of let's actually try to represent what I see. What they're doing is they're they're mm -hmm. learning a skill of observation, which is really the foundation of just being a responsible person on top of the sciences. Right. But it really gets them involved in learning experience that gets them to say, I need to think outside of myself mm -hmm. and just observe mm -hmm. something. And I have to sit yeah. and I have to watch. And what ends up happening is kids generally enjoy it quite well, whether artistic or not. Um, and so I would say that's another easy way to say, hey, I can't think about getting spelling outside. Okay. I would even have trouble uh -huh. saying, how do you spell outside? But <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I can say, instead of letting you just hang out in the house, run around between subjects, I'm going to give you a pad of paper. I'm going to tell you to sit here and look at, find something to observe whether it's a tree or the sky or there's, you know, birds, birds are everywhere. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking of the family in the apartment. We think that's, there's almost no green space. Insects mm -hmm. are tiny. Their world is yeah. small. You could find mm -hmm. a plot of grass outside your apartment. You could observe that thing all year. You can get right. some, get some magnifying glasses and observe and find, you can get these, mm bug catching things um, that oh, we yes. use uh -huh. in, in our various curriculum. You can just catch the bugs and observe them. That, is, that doesn't need to happen in this big sprawling meadow, like Jurassic mm -hmm. Park for bugs. It can happen. Right. Jurassic Park for bugs is your three by five front lawn out of your apartment. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's right. it's, nature offers so much opportunity if you just look mm. for them. And that's why I say strategize, don't restrict. Use what you've yeah. got. Um, mm. so those are a couple ways, but I don't know if you had, I have other things I can talk about, but I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to wrap up or any other questions that came in. Um, we didn't have any other questions that came in, but, um, but yeah, you've talked a little bit about getting, you know, those, um, indoor subjects outside. Do you have any specific, um, examples that might get some parents wheels thinking about how to translate, what um, these topics that we, we tend to be very concrete and thinking about how they have to be taught <laughs> um, to be a little more creative yeah. to get them out, outside. Yeah. So I think your story hiking idea was great. Um, a lot of times when we think of the subject of language arts, it's like this doom and gloom subject. <laughs> Young kids, um, unless they're a miracle child, they hate them. Um, you know, boys struggle a little bit more in this area. That's a lot of times where yeah. we think about active mm -hmm. learners. Um, but language arts is like the furthest thing in my mind from anything you could do outdoors. But actually, mm. there's a few ways you can do that. Number one, mm. you could go on a walk and say, let's pick 10 things. What words are they? And then do a spelling quiz on them. So you see how you're crossing. You're saying uh -huh. we're doing spelling, but we're also saying let's observe and you know, be outdoors. So that's one example. Mm -hmm. um, I would say your idea, we've done versions of that where you go outside and you craft mm -hmm. a story built on what you see and experience. Uh -huh. Then you take them back inside, have them write out an outline of a story to practice your outlining if they're a little bit older mm -hmm. or maybe just a yeah. cool introduction if they're younger um, mm -hmm. and make them use something that they observe. And you hmm. could you know, limit that or expand it as much as you want. Those are just a couple of ways when you say, well, how can I take something like language arts outside, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, outside? <clears throat> Those are always, and, and to take it outside doesn't mean it has to be finished outside. Adding right. a timer, I mean, that's a really like a challenge, makes yeah. everything interesting. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. let's say you do a scavenger hunt and you can do this online too. So this is a great way to get students investigating. So Let's say you have a family right. computer and you've got to research a subject. Just let them let loose, of course, safely monitoring, but let them mm -hmm. research and investigate. But you can do this outside. Say, you've got 15 minutes. Find everything you can, okay? They find mm -hmm. the objects, they collect them, and then for art, draw the objects, okay? Mm -hmm. You can just draw mm -hmm. them. I already used the spelling example. Writing, create a story out of these elements. Be figurative for older students, so when we're thinking high schoolers, yeah. What do these represent? Make these characters that represent yeah. something, okay? Younger yeah. learners, they would be more concrete, okay? Mm -hmm. So those are ways, when you add timers to things, 
Um, mm-hmm. That's that's going to make it exciting. Maybe a little bit stressful for some perfectionist students, but that's actually yes. good for them to be like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, yes. So adding a timer changes everything. I finally, mm-hmm. we couldn't get our kids to clean up and we're pretty intentional, very firm parents is what I'll describe. Mm-hmm. And very intentional. Cleaning their room was very difficult. I got advice uh, from my wise parents and they said, hey, mm-hmm. If you add a timer, it makes it a game. It makes it yeah. a challenge. Okay. And now they clean up. Suddenly, my oldest son, who couldn't clean up to save his life, he loves cleaning up because he thinks it's a challenge now every time. So, those are some simple ways that it doesn't take you being like Montessori genius number one with their mm-hmm. awesome experience outside, which we love Montessori schools because of their experience that they offer, but you don't have to be an expert in Montessori experience offering. You don't have to be some researched up. You don't have to be Peggy. You can be you just sitting down <laughs> and going, what are a few ways that we can change it? Those are some simple, simple ways. For high school students, I think older students, it's a little bit harder. So I wanted to think of a way architecture. So if you have a student that is, that is um, math, loves math, loves engineering, um, or is artistic, Architecture brings all those together. If you have a student that loves history, architecture is history. You can go explore your the architecture of your town, of a, a big city that's nearby, or maybe just the old schoolhouse. You can then go to the schoolhouse, go to the building, get outside, tell them, hey, here are tw- make 10 observations. Walk around the building for 20 minutes. You've got to at least come back with 10 things you noticed. Okay. Then go back or right there in your car or right next to there. Say, Hey, Mm -hmm. what are things you noticed? Let's go then learn about why they would have done this. Or maybe this is something new Mm -hmm. that was added on. The artistic student can draw and really Mm -hmm. get connected to the, the art of it. The history buff can be like, I want to research and see what happened at this schoolhouse. Why is this way? Why is that way? Mm -hmm. So those are just some examples that really hopefully equip you to be successful um, and, and it's not, it doesn't PhD. It just takes strategy, strategizing what works for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And just bringing in some of those, those things for older students. Cause I think we focus a lot when we have younger students about getting them outside and then the older students, well, they, they just really need to get that book work done. And, um, and so, um, so yes, they can, they can learn outside and that's, that's kind of the, the, the beginning of some of probably the best projects that they can work on too is because you're, you're putting them in environments where there's real life scenarios. And as they become high schoolers, Mm, we want them to have more of those experiences because that's how they're going to interpret the world that they're going to be navigating on their own. (laughs) So, so that's so important. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, so we've got five minutes. I would love for you to talk a little bit about Winter Promise and just how um, our viewers can connect with with you there and what you offer. And um, and yeah, just anything else you have to share about about that. Yeah. So um, Winter Promise, we describe ourselves as a Charlotte Mason inspired uh, curriculum. And so our foundational values um, are built on the idea of discovery, curiosity, um, and really uh, allowing the student to discover in everything that they're doing. Um, and so, and we build our we build that foundation on top of the multiple intelligences because we believe that every student is different. And so, Winter Promise is built on those values, and we have certain we we offer curriculum for kindergartners all the way up through high school. We have, I would say, a particular, a particularly effective and um, powerful curriculum for that K to sixth and seventh range. We found tons of um, just great feedback from our families. So we offer language arts that is presented. One thing that a lot of times what happens is curriculum really focuses on presentation or they really focus Mm -hmm. on content. And what we want to do is marry that. You need great content, but you Mm -hmm. also need it to be presented in a way that engages children. So our language arts are great. Of course, people are going to, of course, you're saying it's great. So check us out. We are perfect for families with multiple children because we can incorporate multiple children into uh, one or two curriculum. 
uh, packages that makes it easy on you. We, we equip you. Everything we do is open and go. So you don't have to prepare an hour and a half the night before to do your homeschooling. You're a parent. My goodness, you should be, mm-hmm. I don't know, hanging out, watching t- some TV to rest for yourself at night, right. not preparing for the next day. So everything we do is open and go. Um, we offer mm-hmm. hands-on experiences, reading, uh, reading experiences, uh, projects, activities. All of it is easy to accomplish. And we offer as much as we can so that students of all learning types are engaged, but you're not exhausted. You, the parent, can actually do it. So please connect with us. We have a Facebook page. We have um, Instagram page as well. We have a group called the Winter Promise uh, Village, I think we called it. I'm blanking right now, but it's a group that you can join and get samples at a time, get advice directly from us, talk to other Winter Promise users. uh, And if, hey, need free shipping, or some percentage off, just reach out to Michael for winter promise at gmail.com. I'll find you a way to make sure it can happen. So uh, we'd love for you to find out about us and um, give us a call, email, whatever. Check us out at the link there, winterpromise.com. We'd love to yeah. love to serve your family. Great. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because um, for our podcast viewers, it is winterpromise.com. Just both those words put together. So um so yeah, definitely check out there. They, you have the the cutest little website too. I mean, just all the characters, and it just made me happy when I'm told it up. So, <laughs> so it's in our curriculum too. So it's a oh, awesome. you can have. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you so much, Michael. This was um, the icing on the cake for the month because you just brought so much extra. Um, you know, and I, I think we talked four weeks about something. And we're like, oh, there can't be anything more. But but you definitely um, brought some some new and interesting things to this this conversation and hopefully a lot of encouragement. I I definitely felt like that. Um, it was a good way to end the month with what you had to share. So thank you so much for all the research you've done and just for the heart that you shared with us about outdoor learning. Well, it was a pleasure uh, to be on. So any way that we can help as Peggy, you clearly do, you uh, have a heart for helping people help their kids. And that's right mm-hmm. at the center of what we want to. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a great conversation and um, just thank you all for, for joining us for that. And um, so next week we are going to launch our June um, topic, which is character training and child behavior. And we're going to be focusing in on that all month. So we've got a variety of different guests that'll be coming on talking different angles about that. Um, also all of our articles, if you don't know, we are new articles every week that come out on Wednesdays are related to the same topic. And so today we, um, we put out our favorite, actually, have you ever done like a, um, a progressive dinner. We did a progressive park day. So the blog that came out today was how to go every from packing your picnic to getting outside, doing large motor activities to fine motor activities, even to the audiobooks you can take on your car ride home. <laughs> so, so you definitely want to check that wow. out. We want, we want to be able to help you, um, like Michael was saying, just not make it too difficult so that you you just say, oh, I, I can't do that. So we want to give you the resources to, to help you with getting outside. But next week, um, my guest is going to be um, Marcy Melzer, and she's going to talk about how to calm kids and overcome tantrums for good. Can't wait to hear this one. Um, probably wished I had it long time ago, <laughs> but um, I'm excited for what she has to share. So um so yeah, so definitely come back and join us next week for for that topic. But um, but thanks for joining us tonight, and thank you again, Michael, for um, all that you had to share. Definitely check out his website at winterpromise.com and um, see if that might be a good fit for your family. And we didn't have a sponsor tonight, but I do want to let you know that we are a nonprofit here at Spad Home School, and so any donation that um, you make, our um, our broadcasts that are done without sponsors are sponsored by donors and viewers like you. So you can check out our website and um, find different ways that um, we take donations and they are tax deductible. So, so thanks everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next Tuesday night again at, at eight central for another episode of empowering homeschool conversations. Bye everyone.
Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.